Welcome to Food at the Table, the small group podcast with Rev and Kev. Y'all, we're back at it again with our next Bible study, chapter 6 on the book of John. I mean, it's been pretty nice, huh? I've been liking these studies, Kevin. Oh, yeah. It's been a good time. I mean, come on now. This is the reason why we got into this. You know, mm-hmm. do these Bible studies together. You know, there are a couple things coming down the pike for us. I mean, we try to get these, like, routines with these episodes coming out, these different special uh, episodes, like our Ask the Pastor and our Hot Takes. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully you guys listened to the hot take number one already. You know, when we had uh, the good yeah. Reverend Dr. Brian Trapp on our podcast. Every time you say that, it takes a second for my brain to process what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> but really kind of getting that, getting these people on here, getting more people to come mm-hmm. and be a part of us. You know, we've actually had a good time to go and spend time with another podcaster a little while. Oh, yeah. The other day. And it was really nice to just kind of talk about, like, you know, what podcasts are like and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when we really kind of talk about, Podcast and talk about like the small group mentality. It is that connection with our group, yeah, with the people on the other end of the speaker mm. that really means something to us. Well, I mean, you know, we're trying to be, uh, quote unquote, the big small group. Uh, that's been one of our driving factors for this, and um, it's just really nice to see that that is starting to, uh, reveal itself almost like that's slowly becoming a reality oh yeah and it's really awesome guys we love the fact that you guys are starting to interact with us more and more mm. and being able to see these other people who've been listening to our podcast who've been getting involved with us but with these like ask a pastor and hot takes these ones are designed to really kind of push for you guys to start interacting with us a little bit absolutely so we want to offer these opportunities with like the ask a pastor coming up in a couple episodes now if you have any questions you want us to go over Please send them in. We'd love to be able to talk with you guys. Kevin, how can they reach out to us? Yeah, uh, we say it every week, but uh, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, uh, look up at Food at the Table Podcast. Uh, if you're on Twitter, at Food at the Table. Um, Wayne is up on TikTok uh, at rev.wayne. And then you can send us an email at food at the table podcast at gmail.com. These are wonderful avenues for you guys to kind of jump in there and Start sending us emails. People are using them. I mean, we're having emails come in. We're starting to get mm-hmm. more interaction. We'd love to hear what questions you guys like us to talk about. Absolutely. But this week, we're going to kind of head and jump into our next Bible study. This is chapter six of the book of John. Mm-hmm. It's a very popular story, huh? Yeah. I feel like every Christian knows this story, um, especially if you've grown up in church. Uh, like as a little kid or something, this was definitely one of those stories where, uh, your Sunday school teacher or somebody or your, uh, children's pastor or whoever would probably have, uh, maybe even the felt board (laughs) and everything. (laughs) Not the old felt board, no. (laughs) But... We're, we're talking about uh, whenever uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. I mean, this this story has become an icon, honestly, Absolutely. to the Christian faith. I mean, the you're right. The fish and the bread and the loaves. I mean, mm-hmm. crossover, kind of looking like out of baskets. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. How do you know you're Christian? Oh, well, we eat fish and bread. Yeah, that was a joke, and it flopped hard like a fish. Like Bar- a fish. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, this story, very popular within our faith uh it's this is one of those stories where uh you could probably ask somebody who has probably heard of jesus 
maybe isn't necessarily a Christian, but they probably know this story. That's how famous this story was. Yeah, very popular. Like the Precious Moments Bible that came out. It's like one of the big ones that they had illustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I remember the Precious Moments Bible. <laughs> I don't know. That's before you or not, Kevin, but I had one. Oh, Lord help us. But when we look at the story, it's going to be uh, verses 1 through 15 is yeah. where we're going to be at. But we're going to kind of look at it. Let's go to like, we're going to look at the people in the story more. Yeah, kind of like separate them out. We're taking a bit of a uh, different perspective um, from what most people would normally go after, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of the times, whenever you uh, read this story or whenever somebody preaches on this story, the first thing that always pops out is. Wow, Jesus fed 5,000 people with just a few pieces of bread and a couple of fish. Yeah, look at the impossibility that's made possible. Yeah, but, you know, as as we've been kind of looking at this, we've been thinking that these were people. Mm-hmm. We're looking at more the reason behind the reason why the miracle happened the yeah way that it did if that makes sense yeah because when we look at christ's miracles he really didn't do them just to show that he was the Messiah. he did them for purposes yeah like they had a reason behind it yeah you know why did he kill the leper was because he was trying to break the ideology that uh touching lepers were mm. dirty and that would have made you dirty but christ made them clean mm-hmm. you know the the lame man that we talked about in the last story mm-hmm. no one would help him to the water mm-hmm. yeah but here comes Christ looking for the one who's been downtrodden. That's right. I mean, so we're looking at this like way that Christ does the miracles for this purpose. Mm. And the scripture reads here in verses uh, 1 through 15 in chapter 6. Says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the f- Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to the Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said to this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. But Philip answered him, Two thousand denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but... What are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so that the men sat down, and five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, so as much as they wanted. So these guys ate as much as they possibly wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the signs that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him their king. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Mm-hmm. Now, after reading that, it would be very easy to just go ahead and jump into the Wow, look at this amazing miracle that Jesus did. He took this little kid's lunch and basically did whatever he did to it and made it last long enough to where not only did it feed those 5,000 people for as much as they wanted, but there was also 
a decent amount of leftovers. Oh, yeah, baskets full. Yeah. I mean, this boy probably showed up with a basket, and now they're walking around with, like, 12 baskets yeah. full of food. And that in itself is amazing. But we we almost have to ask the question, why in the world was the crowd even there? So that would be that's our first person. I get the story. Why did the crowd show up? Mm-hmm. What's the point? Reality was, and it says in verse two, uh, the crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we kind of read between the lines with that, uh, it's possible that this crowd uh, realized that Jesus was the Messiah. And they wanted to see more of what he was able to do. Uh, or they wanted to follow him, just similar to how the disciples were. Um, there may have been some that were kind of skeptical of the things that Jesus was doing. And they were like, hey, I need to figure out who this guy is. <laughs> uh, there could have been some where they heard he was healing people. And maybe they brought people that were sick. Yeah. To Jesus. They were coming time. looking for that miracle. Exactly. And you have to take it in the context of like the people of this time. What were the Jews looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, they had gone through all the prophecies, and this is what uh when Christ came to this earth is what we call the kind of the biblical dark ages. Yeah. Because after the book, the last book of the old testament, until the gospels are written, you know, there was no prophet from God who's on earth. You know, the only one who was left, uh the only one who was prophesied and leading to the Messiah was John the Baptist. You know, he had shown up on the scene months before Christ did. Mm-hmm. But during this time, you know, the people are looking to the prophecies. When's the Messiah going to come? They're looking for mm. this king. They're looking for this one to come up. And you get this uh, imagery a lot of times in the early church was this lion of Judah, the lion of Judah, mm. to come in roaring to come be the king in the midst of the Roman occupation, the Roman Empire, yeah. when they ruled over this entire region. You know, Rome was not very nice to the Jews. I mean, the heavy taxation, the ideology of citizenship, all these different things they were doing. So the Jews were looking for that next Moses to come free them out of bondage. Yeah, it was it was thought of being one of those things where when the Messiah came, you would know. Oh, yeah. There would be no doubt about it. You would know that the Messiah was there and he was going to obliterate the Romans off the face of the earth. Oh, That's thought, what they were looking for. They thought he was going to come with the sword. Mm-hmm. And that's why they saw like Jesus come onto the scene. They're doing miracles. He's doing, he's healing the sick, you mm-hmm. know, and he's forgiving sins because that's when you see once again looking at Christ doing the healings. You know, every time he says, "Okay, go and sin no more," you know, always is a mentality: if your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. This is where the healing comes from because sin is the root issue in all these people. It's because of sin that we have sickness and death. Mm-hmm. So they're seeing this person able to forgive sin. So they're like, "Okay, hold on now. Who is this guy?" And there is, you're right, there is that skeptical part because it could be very much like when you see, let's compare to great preachers. You have uh, when Billy Graham would step on the scene, you know he was coming to preach the gospel. I mean, he was coming to tell you about Jesus. But like when you have these great evangelical, I'm just going to call out a name like Benny Hen, mm-hmm. who'd come out there and he just start smacking people and say, oh, you've been healed. And they get up out of wheelchairs. Well, yeah, if you punch me in the face, I'm going to stand up too. <laughs> I mean, it's that mentality. Yeah. So there's some people looking over going, hey, is this the great orient? Is this the great one to come? Or is this that that faith healing mm-hmm. devil coming over here to tempt us? What is what's going on here? You know, I could I could almost uh 
imagine that maybe there were kind of some Pharisee types in here, almost trying to be like, who is this uh, Jesus of Nazareth that is just (laughs) spouting blasphemy, saying that uh, he can do all of these things because he's the son of man and yada, yada, yada. Well, see, I had to be, I caution you on that one, though, because whenever we yeah. see like the Pharisees are brought up in the Bible, the Pharisees are named. Well, I mean, not necessarily the Pharisees themselves. No, but the ideology that followed with them. Yeah. Yeah. Who is that skeptical? Like, yeah. Ideology. Like, you're right, because you have to remember a lot of these people, you know, listen to the Pharisees. The Pharisees are teachers in the, mm-hmm. in the temple. And these are good, you know, good Jewish boys, good Jewish men who are going to mm-hmm. temple like they're supposed to on the Sabbath. Yeah. Who are making sure they're taking time to worship. They would hear this ideology. Hey, this Christ, you know, he's not a good guy. Hey, look at him trying to be the false prophet. Mm-hmm. You know, these Pharisees who are very skeptical. You get it like every church you go to. If the pastor doesn't like something, he's going to preach against it. Yeah. I mean, you get these pastors out here who are hardcore anti things like Halloween, anti. They're going to get behind that pulpit and they're going to pound it hard. But then you have people who are like, no, I'm here about the work of Christ. I'm here to preach the gospel, preach you the word of God. That's what I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. And there could be some people who are obviously were skeptical of that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because, oh, if you're, if you're not preaching on uh, this sort of thing, what agenda are you pushing? Then? Yeah, well, or the people who are like those guys go to the kind of churches, like the anti-Facebook, the anti yeah. Those are strict followers because you listen to your teachers. Mm-hmm. You know the, what? My teacher wouldn't lie to me. Why would he lie to me about this? Yeah. So okay, I'm coming to look after you. But these guys are following after him because they saw, see him doing healings, mm-hmm. and now they got to know more. Yeah. Yeah. It's that coming back to the food at the table. Mm-hmm. They got some of that appetizer. They got to come back for some more. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had some pretty good, you know, buffalo chicken dip yesterday. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah. And you know, Ooh. it was that mentality. You know, we came up and ordered this appetizer, mm. and we're like, oh yeah, this would be pretty nice. Yeah, this must be a good place. And then we got the main course, and we're like, this had it nothing. Was, yeah, the appetizer yeah. did not even compare. Absolutely. But it was a good taste. It got us enticed. It got us ready. Oh yeah. It brought it. It made us stay to that table really good. Mm. And I think that's what there these these 5,000 men are seen. They got enticed to the table. Mm-hmm. They saw some miracles. They saw the man get up and get healed at the pool of Bethesda. Mm-hmm. And they came walking after Christ. Cause they're like, we saw what you did. We're here to see more. We need to see the proof. Yeah. And so they're intrigued, but then we kind of, after you get the 5,000 men, after you get introduced to them, we, we get introduced to why the crowd was following them. And then uh, the the very uh, next couple of verses um, give us an idea about uh, the setting of the when and where this is taking place. So in verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain and sat with his disciples. So we know there is this mountain that they are on. Um And then in verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. So we know they're on this big mountain, and it is time for the Passover. (laughs) And there's this huge crowd there. Um, And if you don't really know uh, much about what the Passover was, that was a a Jewish uh, feast, I guess you could call it, 
um, that was supposed to be a reminder for when the uh, Israelites were in captivity in Egypt. And uh, one of the plagues that God sent uh, was the firstborn child uh, from each family uh, would die or be taken by the angel of death or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, unless they painted a uh, spotless lamb's blood over the doorpost. And the idea of it is the angel would come, see the blood on the doorpost, and then pass over that house. Uh, get it? That's why they call it Passover. Uh, um, I'm the one who makes jokes on this podcast. <laughs> I can do it too. Uh, but the the Passover the Passover feast was supposed to be a reminder of that. Um, well, which, when you look at uh, Jewish custom, Hebrew customs, that's one thing. A lot their feasts were always. Reminding them of God's provision towards yes, them. Yes. And there was reason. Like, why would they have a feast over that? Well, because God provided for Israel. Mm-hmm. This is a moment when he tried to save them out of captivity. This is celebrating that moment. Absolutely. So, yeah, you ate. I mean, y'all, why do we have food at every, like, every Baptist church when something good happens? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. We dedicated a part of the building, so we're going to have a dinner. Well, it's because you're doing it in celebration. You know, you're celebrating what mm-hmm. God has done for you, doing for the church. Why do you have a good meal when you have your birthday? It's because it's celebrating God getting you one more year. And it's this kind of mentality that is important. But when we look at these details that are given, we have to make sure we don't pass over the details. That's right. Because this idea of it being the Passover, of being not the Passover being nigh, it was almost there. Why it was important was because this is the moment for them to not only go into a feast, but the next day was fasting. That information was critically important i i've seen a lot of uh people kind of uh gloss over this when talking about this but let's think about it for a second we've got this huge crowd of people all following jesus and we learn uh later on in this section that probably the only person there who brought any food with them was this little kid. Yeah. And it was Passover. So with these men who are like, cause we're, we're guessing kind of take it from the details in the scripture, not really guessing, but making an educated decision mm. here was that these all men would have had to been from of Jewish custom. Yes. Cause otherwise the Passover would have meant nothing to a lot of them, mm-hmm. but for it to mean so important that Jesus will stop here. This is, and you know, he gets up on the mountain and he brings his disciples to him. So here's only yeah. the 12 that come sit with him. And he starts this conversation of what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. The Passover, that timing is so important because it shows you the critical issue that they're having to cover. Because here's 5,000 people who left their homes so enticed after Christ and the miracles mm-hmm. that they did not bring anything for their religious celebration. That's right. When you know this right here, because it comes to Hebrew customs, same thing with Christian customs and things like that. Mm-hmm. The customs were so important. It was why the Pharisees were so kind of, I don't know the best way to say it, so hell-bent into their ideology mm-hmm. was because the customs were so important. To have the word of God planted on your forehead and on your wrist was so important that Pharisees would tie boxes on their forehead and on their wrist with scripture in it as memory verses because they tied scripture literally to the forehead and the wrist. Mm-hmm. They took things so literal. It was an extreme ideology. 
So here they are, disciples right next to him. And Jesus looks over to Philip. Mm -hmm. And he says very simply, hey, what are we going to do about this? Because we got a lot of hungry people. Mm. But Jesus knew exactly what he was about to do. The scripture says Jesus knew exactly what he was about to do, but he was testing Philip. Yes, and that is something that we we then really have to think about. Mm-hmm. Why? What was the significance behind that? Yeah. Why test Philip? Exactly. And if we kind of look at it, I almost get the idea that Jesus was testing their faith. Mm-hmm. Almost in the sense of, hey, we've got this crowd of 5,000 people, what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. There is, Philip knows there is no possible way. Well, 250 denari- 250 denarii's worth of bread would not give them everything. Mm-hmm. Barely give any of them a crumb. Exactly. So they, they knew that they were at the end of the rope. There is nowhere else to go. Uh, too bad, so sad, sorry, Passover. Yeah, it's going to have to pass up. Um, but Jesus is is almost, I think, trying to get Philip to realize that the laws of physics mean nothing to the person that made them. Yeah. And it's this kind of push that, hey, I'm not asking you to rely on what's in your pocket. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to rely on what you can do. Like, what are we going to do? God was Jesus was hoping Philip would like to go. Well, Lord, can you make it fall from heaven? Mm-hmm. You've done it before. Can you make manna just fall down? Exactly, exactly. And so he's looking to Philip to say, "Hey, I'm going to rely on you here." Mm. But Philip's response is, "When he gets, hey, what are we going to do?" Philip starts patting his pockets. Uh, Two hundred fifty dollars denarii won't be even enough for this. Yeah, there's no way. There's nothing we can do. Yeah, there's nothing here. And so this is a conversation within the 12 disciples because all of them are up there with Christ Mm. at this moment on top of this mountain. And the reason why the top of the mountain was so important was because every time we see God do something like miraculous, Mm. whenever we see him transform, whenever he shows himself be true, his true self, he's on top of a mountain. I mean, whenever he was tempted by the devil, you know, over in the wilderness, he was on top of the mountain. The devil brought him up and said, hey, show yourself. When he did the transfiguration, which we'll see later on in the stories, mm. he's on top of the mountain. He's making these big changes. The Sermon on the Mount, when he started giving off the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. Yeah. Yeah. The, on top of the mountains when Christ really showed himself. So he's up here with them, separated from the crowd, going, what are we going to do for these people? And I could almost right here see the disciples kind of, arguing or debating mm-hmm. about how in the world they're going to feed these people because the Passover was such an important thing for them. Oh, yeah. And um, then we get classic Andrew uh, chiming in here, and he's saying, uh, I saw this kid that had uh, some bread and some fish. Uh, Don't know what that's going to do, but yeah. I got some. Well, this is really where I kind of – pick up with this i love this moment with the disciples because i think we're very much like this mm-hmm. is god's challenging us and we automatically go to our thing we're mm-hmm. like okay well what can i bring up what can i scrounge together what can i make out of this you know and so yeah andrew's running around going uh uh there's a kid with some fish and bread i don't know what it can do but we got it mm-hmm. it's like when you walk out there and there's this massive hole in the wall well i got this roll of duct tape 
Yeah. I don't know what it can do, but we got it. Exactly. There's there's that moment of this is all that's here. And I almost think Andrew uh part of me thinks he was the one that for lack of a better term kind of passed the test. Mm-hmm. He was almost like, "Hey, this is what we have. I can't do anything about that, but Jesus, there it is." Yeah. What can we do from here? And I think that is such a beautiful moment because after that, Jesus goes, all right, have the people sit. Yeah. Watch what I can do. Exactly. And we, we get this a lot throughout. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've said that so many times with this podcast already. Mm. Like that moment when Christ walks in and goes, now watch what I can do. Like mm. you've done all you can do. This is all you've got in there. You know, Philip, you're over there kind of dumbfounded looking to the clouds trying to figure out something. Andrew, you're over here looking at the small child going, hey, can we eat your lunch? Yeah, basically. And here comes Jesus going, now watch what I mm-hmm. can do. And before we kind of move past that idea, I want to I wanna touch on the fact that this kid was willing to give Jesus his lunch. Mm-hmm. And... That might not sound like a big deal uh, at the surface. However, this, again, let's keep in mind, this was the Passover. Mm -hmm. And I almost think this kid could have had more faith than the disciples did. Well, whenever you look at kids within Scripture, Mm -hmm. Christ calls them out because to have faith like a child. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you were to come unto me like a child, you know, you won't actually know faith. I mean, that's that's how we have to come to Jesus. Because I have to come to him as like a child. Mm-hmm. I have to be willing to completely believe in you. Exactly. You know, it's one of my favorite passages in scripture. You know, it is better for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and tossed into the depths of the sea than one of you to offend one of these little ones. Mm-hmm. Is Jesus held kids to such a high level of importance in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it's because of moments like this. Because if you really kind of dive in, let's dive into this kid a little bit here. Yeah. Christ knew what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Christ knew when he showed up and he looked at the kid and go, hey, can I have your lunch? That kid's going to be like, yeah, Jesus, here, have this. Have everything I have. Mm. Here's all of me. Here's everything I own. Jesus you know, Jesus never really once walked up, never says he walked up to the kid and go, hey, buddy, can I have it? Because he knew the kid would give it to him willingly because he said he knew what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Jesus knew the kid was sitting there waiting for him. Oh, yeah. He knew the kid was going to have five year loaves of bread and a couple of fishes. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And here he is, walk up to the Lord and go, yeah, here's all of me. This is what I think Christ was really trying to get the disciples to do in this moment. He wants to be like, Lord, we're at our wit's end. Here, have all of us. What can we do? Tell us. Exactly. Direct us. Guide us. Stop letting me try to solve the problem, Lord. You come here and fix it. Mm-hmm. If we can be more like that kid with the fish. You know, we know this is where, like, whenever you hear the Sermon on the Mount, or the the feeding the 5,000, this is where we hear that story go, man, look at the faith of that kid, which is true. Because the faith of the kid compared to the faith of the disciples who was walking with Jesus this whole time. The one who had seen the man at the pool of Bethesda, who had seen the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman, who had seen these miraculous healings and miracles happen so far. These people. 
didn't have enough faith that God was going to provide. They were trying to figure it out their way. But when he asked, the kid's faith showed up. Mm-hmm. Here, have it. And that is a wonderful thing that we as Christians have to keep in mind. Because this kid was willing to give Jesus all that he had, all of his lunch, <laughs> not only did that kid get to eat his fill, but the other 4,999 people got to eat their fill as well. Mm-hmm. And there's 12 baskets left over. Yes. Where do you think one of those baskets went? <laughs> I would hope the little kid. Well, that's why I'm because <laughs> here's the miracle within that right there. Because we go ahead and step off into that miracle part of this. You know, Christ is literally splitting the bread and saying, here, take some, pass it on. Mm-hmm. Now, these people are peeling off parts of the fish, they're peeling off the bread. And apparently, you know, I'm getting as much as I want. You know, y'all, I'm a big boy. I mean, me and Kevin go to a buffet. My plate's going to be stacked higher than his is. But that's the nice part, though, is because we go to the buffet and we get our fill. Mm-hmm. And the same thing when we come to Christ. You know, I might be hungry. You might be hungrier. But it doesn't matter. When we sit down there at the table with Christ, we're going to get our fill. And Christ is trying to describe, he's trying to show that to these people, mm-hmm. not only to the 5,000, but to the disciples. When you let me be in charge of the food, Look at how far it'll go. You're going to get your fill. Mm. You're not going to be hungry anymore. And so much so as that, how many disciples were there? Twelve. How many baskets were there? Twelve. There was enough left over that when we talk about these baskets, I'm not talking about our little like picnic basket. We're talking about we're a, probably, yeah. We're talking big, about a basket. Big basket. There would have been enough for these guys to come home and feed their families. Mm-hmm. And hopefully when the little boy gets one of his, but got the basket back because if it's willingness. That's something we see throughout faith. Yeah. You got God not preaching prosperity gospel here, but God is faithful to his followers. Mm-hmm. Faithful to those who have faith in him. Yeah, you know, he'll never leave you for nor forsake you. That's not just a promise, it's a threat. But I mean That's right. It's that mentality that comes along with it. As long as you have faith in him, he's gonna make miracles happen through you. And here we see him feeding this 5,000 people with this miracle. There's five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Mm-hmm. And they had enough left over. And it was because they turned it over to Jesus. That's right. I, I, don't, I don't know why we're not having praise break time right now. We need to have praise break music track. Just play through the <laughs> right here. Just to have some nice background music. Yeah, we're going. Put that on the list. Praise break music when it gets heated. Yeah. We're good to go. Um. But, you know, we, we see God do this amazing miracle. He provided the Passover feast for these people. And we look and it clicks. They realize that Jesus is the Messiah. That's that's what it means whenever it says, this is indeed the prophet who came into the world. Because yeah, they're always thinking, when we look at the idea of the prophet, so far all they've gotten from God after the fall, after the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. the mouthpieces of God that have come, Moses, these people who, Ezekiel, Isaiah, you know, all these big names, Nehemiah, mm-hmm. we have gotten prophets from God. Nathan. Nathan's one of my favorite because he went and rebuked David. These big prophets, these are the ones God speaks to these people 
these people speak to his people. Mm-hmm. And he did that because he was like, well, there has to be a separation. You messed up. You said where they have the separation. So after that dark age, that dark age fell. Mm-hmm. A lot of people called uh, John the Baptist the next prophet. They're looking to him, but he was like, no, 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 it's not me. I'm just here to point you to the next one that's coming. I'm the one that's preparing the way. And with this mentality of, hey, look who's coming next. So they thought the next person was going to be this amazing prophet mm-hmm. of God. This next person to come onto the scene and do miracles. This next one to lead us. They're looking for the Messiah. Begging for a prophet. Looking for a king. Mm-hmm. Or hoping for a king. And they got Jesus. And they got Jesus. They got all three in one. Exactly. And what, what do they do? This this is such a beautiful moment. We, we see this crowd. Well, beautiful and sad at the same time. But we see this crowd coming in looking for Jesus to do something. They saw his healing. They saw the miracles that he had done. And they were looking for something else. There is no way they would have expected him to feed all of them with just a little kid's lunch. No. And so obviously they saw the sign. And they got it. They understood that this was the Messiah. And they knew that this man was the king. But they also had a misconception. They thought this man was going to be there. The king of the nation politically. They're looking for that lion. Yes. And Jesus obviously notices what's happening. He dips out because these people were ready to take Jesus. And force Jesus to be their king. Yeah. You're going to be ours. We're taking you now. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's kind of back up real quick. Because what really kind of clicked here for them? Well, when we're looking at, we're going back to this idea of the Passover. Mm-hmm. What was important was that, that that feast part. Well, these people knew that they were not going to be fulfilled. Right? Yeah. They're going to miss out on that part. Well, here's Christ taking care of not only their physical need of needing to eat. Mm-hmm. But he did a miracle to show them that, hey, here, I want to fill your spiritual need as well. Here, fulfill your rights. Here, mm-hmm. fulfill the things that you've been called to do in the law. Do this. Yeah. And he, they see this miraculous moment. And they're like, uh-uh. You're it. We're taking you with us. There's no choice. You have no matter. And like many times when the crowd comes after Jesus, Jesus retreats. Because mm. you're right. There was that misconception. They're looking for the Lion of Judah. But here comes the Lamb. Who was fit for the slaughter? They were they were about to take matters into their own hands. You know, I think that is that is something that we as Christians um, can get wrong. Mm-hmm. There's it's a lot of if very similar to how the disciples were in this passage. They saw the thing in front of them, and they're like, "There's there's no way." This is what I can do. There's no way that I'm going to be able to do that. But they were still trying to take matters into their own hands. Mm-hmm. That's what this crowd was about to do. They're trying to keep control. They, Jesus didn't match up mm-hmm. with what they thought. 
So they were going to take matters into their own hands to make that happen. You're right. How many times does Jesus not match up what we want? <laughs> it kind of goes back to our hot take. Your opinion really doesn't matter when it comes to Scripture. Exactly. It's Scripture's opinion that matters of you. Exactly. God is who God is. And we as human beings are too small and weak and uh, dumb, pathetic, (laughs) flawed, whatever other word you want to put in there (laughs) in order to understand fully who God is. (laughs) And that is one of the tragedies of human nature is that if we don't understand something, we have to do something in order for it to make sense, in order for it to match up. It has to fit in my box. Exactly. And it comes, like, I, I preached a sermon looking on the ideology back in uh, creation. Let's make man in our image. Mm-hmm. But too, also, too often time I have to ask the question, who is made in whose image now? Because we get to this point where we're, we're supposed to be creations of God. We're supposed to be following the mold that God has for us, you know, what he has described in his word. This is how we're supposed to be. And too often times we're trying to take God and force him into our mold. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be like me. And when we have this like forceful mentality, God, you have to fit my box. You have to do it on my time frame. You have to be about what I want. Mm-hmm. Well, when God looks at you and goes, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, Your heart is not after me. Because, I mean, let's be real. Our box is never, never, ever, ever going to be big enough no. to fit what God really is. No, it would never contain the most. Not even part of God. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we really come down to is the struggle. that uh, When we put God into our own mentality, one of my favorite skits to ever watch, if you guys ever get a chance, Skit Guys, The Sculpture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're over here in the chisel. Yeah. And it's an image of God coming up to the man and saying, hey, I'm going to make you the way you want to be transformed. Let me make you the way I want you to be. And the guy's like, oh, cool. Can you take off a little bit of my love handles? You know, I've got a little bit of these when I got older, stuff like that. He's like, cool. Can you do what I want you to do? Mm-hmm. And, and God starts taking things away that that man really held dear yeah. to him. The thing is, is. In all this is because God's trying to transform us into who he wants us to be. He's trying to make Philip see through his eyes for Absolutely. once. Saying, hey, yeah, what you see is impossible. I show you as a miracle. Mm-hmm. What you see is, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, Andrew. <laughs> Let me show you what I can do with that. Yeah. Give me the little boy's lunch and I'll show you a feast. And God steps up to the plate, y'all. And... <laughs> It really comes down to this ideology that we need to stop looking through our eyes and saying, God, see it the way I see it. Because God's looking at you going, see, see it the way I see it. Yeah. You know, in a couple chapters, you know, we've been talking about like the future. And this is mm-hmm. really when it comes to the people that Christ comes to. Talk about the leopard. We talk about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Mm-hmm. A couple episodes. We talk about the Samaritan woman. A couple episodes, we're going to talk about the woman caught in adultery. Oh, yeah. You know, these people that God's really kind of come to, these people thought as evil, as wicked, as poor, as downtrodden, as sinful, as dirty. 
And these are the exact same people Christ walked up to and said, let me show you the miracle I can make through them. Mm-hmm. If you really think of the story of Mary Magdalene, the story of Peter and Simon, or Simon, Peter, and Andrew, mm-hmm. if you really think of the Thunder Brothers, <laughs> if you get a hold of these people that Christ came, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, the tax collector, these people that Christ has pulled and said, hey, these are the ones that everybody thought was the lowest of the low. These are all the ones that people thought were dirty, downtrodden, and disgusting. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees turned their nose up to these people. But just like, look what I can do with the five loaves and the three fish. Exactly. Look at my miracle that I can do. And you know, the wonderful thing is, and I'm just going to bring up uh, Paul, mm-hmm. you know. Saul who turned into Paul. That in itself is like, there is this guy that is persecuting Christians because it's fun. Basically. Mm -hmm. And there's that boom, blinded by the light moment. (laughs) Blinded by the light. Exactly. Sorry, had to. And... He turns into one of the most influential people in the entire Bible. Wrote most of the New Testament. Exactly. And the reality is that's not reserved for just the people in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Jesus is still, still doing these things and even greater still. On a day-to-day basis. <laughs> we, we can look at just the two of us. <laughs> look at God. Say, God, look look what he pulled us out of. Mm. Look where he took Wayne. Off the side of his bed with the noose in his hand. And look where he's at now. Exactly. Look where we can see the miraculous things he's doing in our lives every day. Mm-hmm. Pull us from that darkest spot and said, hey. When you thought the world hated you was the moment where I showed you most my, oh, I showed you my love. Absolutely. Were you the weakest? Here I am, sitting strongest. Mm-hmm. And you know, that is just such a beautiful thing that Jesus is able to do. That He's able to take whatever we have and make it so much greater than what we ever thought that it could ever be. <laughs> But there's also, again, one of the mistake of this crowd. We have to be willing to look at Jesus for what he actually is and not what we're expecting him to be. I go back to the story that you offered, the story of Paul. I mean, we're, hopefully one day we'll study through the book of Acts together. Yeah. I love that book. But Ananias, mm-hmm. the man that God had placed and said, hey, you're going to have this guy named Saul come to your house and you're going to heal him. Mm-hmm. And Ananias' words were, I know that man. He's been persecuted. Lord, why do you want me to heal him? Why him? Don't you know what he's been doing? How many times has, God, has people said that about us? Don't you know what they've been up to? Don't you know what they've been doing? And you called them to this ministry? Mm. You called them to make a Christian podcast? How, how, how dare you pick him? How dare that person who's done all of those things in the past be able to be in the position that he is today. And there's that moment when we are like Ananias, those moments where we're judging them. Because 
we're going to be honest. We've done the same thing. Right. I mean, th- there's no doubt about it. We looked at people and go, God, are you sure? Mm-hmm. But and Ananias realized that he wasn't looking. He was looking through his own eyes at Saul. When Saul was evil, because that's all he saw. Mm-hmm. God showed him the miraculous things, showed him what Paul was going to be. Absolutely. Stop looking at Saul. Start looking at the Paul that's going to come. Mm-hmm. And it's that transformation that we really see. And you're right in the story, because I keep going back to the metaphor of the fish and loaves. Something so little. It was the boy's lunch. Mm-hmm. We go to that mentality. This is what the boy was going to eat for lunch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's be real. That's all Andrew saw. Yeah. That he just saw, hey, there's some bread and some fish. I don't know what we're going to do with it, but we got it. And Jesus said, hey, good eye. <laughs> you figured it out. Watch what I'm going to do. Exactly. You see, this is it too often time that we find in our faith these moments where we're very much pushing. I don't see it this way. Mm-hmm. It has to be my way. I'm going to force God to be my way. And God says, no, it's not my plan. Mm-hmm. Wait for it. I'm too big to fit in that box. Let me show you. Let me show you what's outside. Of that. I'm not here to be your earthly king. Mm-hmm. I'm here to be the king eternal, the king to come. Now, I'm not here to rule over you. I'm here to save you. Mm-hmm. If the guy, that's one thing that always gets me. Like we're as Christians, we get to look at the whole story in the big picture. So we kind of look at these people and go, "Man, why were they being so dumb at this moment?" Well, it's because we already know the ending of the story. Yeah, we. That is one of the blessings that we have in the modern day. We have the Bible. Mm-hmm. We know how everything started. We know how everything is going to end. We got the whole book, but here we have these guys who are sitting here, who are sitting in kind of their ignorance. Mm-hmm. And they've been taught, they've been beaten over their heads, they have been preached to, they have all these things pouted into them. This guy's supposed to come as the king. He's supposed to come as that Lion of Judah. They're hoping somebody was going to come to overthrow Rome. That's why like the Pharisees were able to twist uh, Pilate so much to persecute Jesus. Mm-hmm. Is why the Roman government went against him. Is why in the 70 CE we see the destruction of the temple when Nero, the emperor, decides to wipe out and blame the Christians. Yeah. So we see these like enemies because... The mentality was Christ was coming to overthrow the Roman government. He was coming to destroy Rome. That's what the Jews were hoping for. In the long run, Jesus' mentality was, no, I'm not here. Yeah, all all governments will fall to me. Mm. Everything is going to fall and worship me. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that the Lord is God. Mm. That is going to be a day. Either you're going to be crying that out as you're cast into the fiery pits of the inferno, or as you're entering into the kingdom of God, one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. All of us will know these words. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, but for right now, I am going to be the king. I will be the king of everything. But I want to be the king of your life right now. I want you to believe in me. I'm here to save you from your stupidity. I'm here to save you from your sin. That's why Christ came on the scene. Mm-hmm. So he backs up and he says, no. And he, he, he says he retreats. He runs away. Mm-hmm. And this mention of the next story, we get like Jesus walking on water. And things like, we discussed that on the story yeah. on the podcast already. But we see these miraculous things happening and happening and happening with these followers. We really need to check ourselves. Because mm-hmm. we need to stop being like these men who are trying to take them, force them into the box. 
It'd be more like the kid who's like, God, here's everything I have. Mm-hmm. Here's all I got. Use it for you. Absolutely. You know, over the past uh, couple months, the phrase it's been in my head is glory be to God and all things glory be to God. Mm-hmm. In the roughest moments of my life, in the hardest moments, in the times when I want to quit, in the times I am rejoicing, in the times I'm happy. Glory be to God. Because God sustained me and kept me going. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. It's a really hard place to be. It's really hard to look up and go, God, are you sure I can give you glory in the midst of this? Because I really want to kind of say some words to this one guy, you know. But it's when we stop and look and go, you know what? That's not how God wants me to be. Yeah. God's called me to be bigger. And we need to stop trying to make God smaller. We, not only do we have to stop trying to fit God in our tiny little box, but we also have to be willing to go outside of the box that we put ourselves in. Mm -hmm. And I know that can be easier said than done. I understand that. However... This little kid was willing to go outside of the box that he was in. This is all I got, Jesus. And there we go, and we see 5,000 people <laughs> eating their fill. And some leftovers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 12 baskets full. That's one thing that I always see. When God does miracles, he goes above and beyond. Mm-hmm. He goes way be- That's one thing that... There's always that argument that's out there. Does God still do miracles? Does God still do miracles? It's been an argument that's throughout the churches year and year. I'm just going to say, let's go here for a minute. See what mm-hmm. happens. I would have to say yes, because I believe salvation in itself is a miracle. Absolutely. Because there's no way we could do it. I could never be saved without God. God has to miraculously do it. Let's be real. Who in this world has... Uh... Well, I'm going to do it this way. Who's never murdered? Okay. Um, I would feel like most people fit that list. Who's never taken something that didn't belong to them? Oh, there goes some hands. Who has... Uh, never lied. Yeah. There, there, here comes less hands. I mean, hey. Who has never dishonored their mother and father? There is no one in the world who is able to keep the Ten Commandments alone. Just the Ten Commandments. Those are just ten rules. And the fact is, no one on earth is worthy of salvation. No one is perfect. That's why we come to this idea of like it has to be a miracle. Because it is ultimate grace and ultimate mercy. Mm-hmm. It's given us something that we have no way to deserve and keeping us from something that we do deserve. Grace getting something we don't deserve. Mercy passing us by about something that we do deserve. Because, mm-hmm. as I said, we all deserve that fiery pit of inferno. Let's we all deserve to be in hell one day. That's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to be very blunt. Y'all, if you ever met me in person, you'll know I'm going to be very blunt with you. That's where we deserve to be. 
but it's the grace of God that we were saved. That, that, so does God do miracles? Yeah. And the thing is, go to this idea that when God does miracles, he goes above and beyond. He has the 12 baskets left over. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is because a lot of times we think, God can forgive me for this one. He can forgive me for this one. But there's no way in the world God's going to forgive me for that. When in reality is, not only has he already forgiven you for whatever you thought was unforgivable, he's forgiven you for the things that you haven't even asked for forgiveness yet. The things you haven't even done yet. Things you haven't even thought of yet. Exactly. And that is such a beautiful thing. And you know, honestly, I think it's even a miracle that God chooses to use just everyday people to do his will. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that for a second. God, why use me? Silly, exactly. Silly, dumb, small little me. Just like this kid. <laughs> oh. Being able to do something that God takes. Being able to do something that God takes and making it far greater than we would have ever even thought of. What did it take? Took that willingness. Here I am. Send me. See, I love that. Uh, I believe that's the book of Isaiah, isn't it? Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, yeah, Isaiah 6 eight. I love that passage because the Lord says, I'm looking for someone who will go. And Isaiah just t- saying, you know, God's not even talking to Isaiah. He's talking to the angels. He's like, I'm looking for someone who'd be willing to go. And I just said, I'm here. Send me. And, you know, I recently, uh, part of the reason we bring that up uh, is because I've been doing a lot of research into that verse. Like I even looked up like the original Hebrew and everything. Like I was hooked onto this for a hot minute. I wonder why. (laughs) And the language that it gives is that here, here I am, here am I. That word is not just a, Hey, here I am. I'm going to back the mic up a little bit right now because I'm about to scream this just so that you guys can understand the point. Careful, we're in my office. Yeah. But the idea of it is, hey, look at me. I'm ready to go. That is that is the language that it gives. It is not just, hey, here I am. It is Hey, me, over here, look at me. I'm ready to do whatever. Pick me. Pick me. See, I love that passage. And I'll have to kind of go the step afterwards. Because God's, he looks and goes, but hold on, God, but I have a foul mouth. He said, here I am. I'm ready to go. And you know, a lot of times that's where we get, we get this like gumption. I'm ready to go, but we start going, but hold on, God. I, I have a foul mouth. Mm-hmm. Lord, your words cannot come from unclean lips. So 
in the scripture, the picture was that God picked up a hot coal mm-hmm. and placed it upon his lips, and he cleansed it, cleansed it by fire, burnt all the gunk out, and said, there, now go. Mm-hmm. And we see Isaiah go, on it, chief, and just take off. And th- that same amount of faith, like that's where Isaiah was in chapter 6 but we, of uh, book of Isaiah, but here we find the boy in chapter 6 of the book of John. Who they're like, how we're we gonna feed all these people? And he's like, I got this. I got bread and fish with me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's right here. Look, I have, I have uh, some bread, <laughs> a couple fish. Do do with it as you will. This is yours now. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how convinced that boy was of the Messiah? Well, the Messiah's like, okay, son, thank you. Everybody, sit down. We're gonna eat this kid's lunch. Let's think about the crowd in that moment, too. We, we go eat what? So I'm going to get a crumb. My, maybe a scale. Maybe. If that. What, what are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus starts saying, okay, pull off some. They start passing it around. And these guys start eating. I'm like, man, there's a lot. There's a, did we eat all this bread? Did we, did we eat an entire loaf of Lord, we're sorry. We ate. Oh, no. You, you have a whole nother. You have how many more loaves? Wait a second. There's enough fragments from after what we're eating that we are filled to fill how many baskets? Mm-hmm. And it takes the willingness, people. Like that's if we could stress something to you, it takes that willingness and faith. You can't fit God in your box, mm. but man, if you can just see the miraculous thing God's going to do through your life, I, I swear. If if I knew what God was going to do next, that's always my thing. Like you know. I, I kind of find myself sitting in anticipation a lot. It's not really anxiety. It's more like, okay, God, I saw what you did. What's next? Come on. I want to see what's up. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, when, like, when the Marvel movies were coming out, you saw like, oh, man, it's an awesome movie. Awesome movie. Awesome movie. What's next? And you like grip your seat. Go, Come on. Mm-hmm. That's where I find myself. Because y'all, God's doing miracles. Y'all. We keep talking about like the stats on this on this podcast mm-hmm. a lot, and because it's, it's amazing. We thought maybe ten views when we first started, like max. God's given us twenty times that. Mm-hmm. When we got to twenty views, we're like, oh, cool. Maybe that's where it'll be. Here we are at two hundred plus. Mm-hmm. We thought, okay, we might be able to get some people in Tennessee, but we're reaching people in Germany, Pakistan, England, Australia. It's been almost every step of the way. Every time we look at the numbers, it's always, yeah, that's cool. If we're stuck at that, I'm happy. God, you done miracle, miracle, miraculous things. But you know what? God, keep it coming. <laughs> let's wanna... let's see where this goes next. So when you had that little kid bouncing his chair, <gasps> what's next, Mama? Let's it's go. It's like. You've seen like a kid at like a birthday party or a Christmas or something like that. And there's all the small little gifts or whatever. And then there's that big one. They're like, And you know for a fact that it is killing them inside. Because they're wanting to see what's in that big gift. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going to say, if there are parents or anything listening to this right now, Please do this at some time. <laughs> if 
if you can. It is hilarious to watch. But, you know, you have all these gifts or whatever, and it's like, okay, hold on, little little Johnny. We'll, we'll get to the big one in a minute. You have to open the small ones first. <laughs> watch it eat that kid up inside. <laughs> Especially when they start opening up packages like it's a t-shirt or it's some socks and some underwear. Like, ah, uh, clothes. I don't know why clothes are such a bad gift as a gift. But not clothes. Then they get the big gift. It's like the toy they've been looking for all week. Y'all. Exactly. But that anticipation that, God, I'm willing to go wherever you yeah. have me next. Lord, lead me. Mm-hmm. Lord, throw it at us. Lord, if you want this to be big, explode it. We were where we're ready for it. We will be obedient to you. Absolutely. You know, does do the podcast take effort? Yeah. Oh yes. When you have the two people who are working full time jobs and sitting there going, "Okay, we got to schedule something falls to the wayside," mm-hmm. we have to let things that we want to do go away. You know, we've just a glimpse into sort of the behind the scenes. Uh, we are actually recording this on a Friday, which is my day off. Yeah. Not only is it his day off, um, I've actually got to go to work here in like an hour or something like that. And normally, we record on Mondays. But we ended up having something this last Monday and... Couldn't get past it. Yeah. So, this... We know that God is trying to do something in this. And yeah, there are struggles and everything. And like, I'm going to be honest, I'm tired. I'm wore out. But we have to realize that, and this isn't just speaking to like me and Wayne, I'm speaking to every Christian who is listening to this right now, we have to realize that the goal is bigger than ourselves. <laughs> we have to be willing to go that extra mile to finish the race and keep the faith. When God calls us up and says, Hey, I'm looking for somebody to reach these people. Mm. We have to be willing to say, here I am, Lord. Suddenly. Mm. So even when it comes down to, you know, and this is no way patting us on the back. No. This is a ministry that we said, hey, God, this is where you want us to go. This is us trying to do our best. Mm. And we are so thankful for you guys to listen to this and jump on this podcast with us because we Absolutely. love y'all to death. But when it comes to obedience, when God's calling out, you know, we always look at the, the story of the little boy with the fish. And we say, what happens if the little boy wasn't there? What happened? What would God have done next? Well, let's just see the thing is, little boy was available for the miracle. He was available for the impact. You know, I think the reality is God still would have made this happen. He knew what he was going to do. Exactly. It. This is going to sound bad, but it really didn't matter if the little kid was willing to or not. God was going to make it happen in the end. But 
this kid said, hey, <laughs> I got some bread and some fish. Do with it as you will. And the absolute blessing that that kid would have been. <sighs> well, that's one thing I always think about. Is we, I, I think about the what ifs a lot. But when it comes to scripture, we have to realize that. The what ifs don't matter. This is how it happened. Mm-hmm. God stepped up and said, little boy, let me show you what I can do with what you brought. Mm-hmm. I'm always reminded of that story. I think I told the story on the podcast once before. The little boy who was in uh, the church. And they started passing around the offering plate. And somebody looked over and was like, okay. The pastor's up there preaching. He's like, okay, this is the time to give to God what you would have for offering to him. Mm-hmm. And the little boy came in. They came, the plate came to him and he sat there. And he realized he had nothing in his pockets to give. No money, no change, no nothing. So what he did is he took the plate out into the aisle. He sat it down and he just stood up in the offering plate. Just stepped on in. And the pastor and the deacons kind of like rushed. him, was like, what do you think you're doing? What's going on here? Hey, you know, you're stepping on God's. And he was like, well, I had nothing else to give except for me. Mm-hmm. And I always laugh at that story because everybody's like, oh, man, it's about the money when it comes to offering. You know what? God would be so much more blessed. If you'd offer yourself up to God, here I am, send me. Mm. So no, I don't care what you're going through. I don't know where you're at. You know, we're praying for you. I, I say I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're going through. I really do care where you're going, what mm-hmm. you're going through. We care. Don't don't get us wrong. Yeah. But. but in these moments with God, be willing. Lord, here I am, send me. Mm. You could be struggling, but God said, hey, look at the miracle I could do for you. Exactly. Ananias, Paul's coming to you. Saul's coming to you. Heal him. I just kind of want to see what Ananias' face would have been like at the end when he started seeing the letters from Paul been rotated to the churches and he's sitting there getting mm. the one for his church and he starts for Is this the guy? This is this is the guy that was is this, murdering us? It's like when Paul met the disciples for the first time. All the other disciples freaked out. And Peter was like, Let's check him. Mm. Let's make sure he's one of us. And afterwards, Peter's like, <laughs> this is the guy. Mm-hmm. Lord, look what you did. It's almost more of a, Peter was uh, expecting to make sure that uh, Paul was one of them, when in reality, <laughs> he realized that they were one of Paul. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> we get you. Oh, but guys, this has been a blessing today. I've, I've enjoyed this study. Mm. I mean, chapter six, there's a lot to unpack. There's even more stories in chapter six, too, oh, yeah. that we encourage you guys to read. I mean, we, we're taking like one story out of each chapter, or we might be doing like yeah. whole chapters depending on how the story goes. But there's more packed into these things. So this is just how we're structured the Bible study. There is. I mean, you know, we, we very, very briefly uh, touched on this in our intro episode. Um, but guys, there is a beautiful passage of scripture that starts on verse 22 that is directly connected to this that we haven't, uh, really touched on this episode. Guys, get into it. Check it out. Just because we're not reading it like we're, we're going to read you guys the bible stories mm. we're going to read you the verses does not mean hey that's all i'm going to take that's mm. all that we're going to get out of this read past this 
next week we're going to go into chapter seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, the week after that we're going to chapter eight. Read ahead, get into the story, start saying, "Hey, have you guys thought about this yet?" Mm-hmm. Be involved with it because, guys, that's what small group is all about. Guys, there's, you know, uh, the Bible says that God's word is uh, alive and breathing, and the reality is there are going to be some things that we might not necessarily catch, but one of you guys might. And that is part of the point of having a small group. It is getting those ideas out there, building each other up, uh, helping each other to grow in Christ. And being involved. Mm -hmm. We are the big small group, and we're so blessed to have you guys as part of it with us. You know, hey, please reach out to us with Ask a Pastor coming up soon. Mm-hmm. You know, please reach out, send us in your questions. You can do that Facebook and Instagram at Food of the Table Podcast. You can do it on Twitter at Food of the Table. You can even reach me on TikTok at Rev.Wayne or even our our Gmail account, which is Food of the Table Podcast at gmail.com. See, Kevin, this is the wow. whole time I've been listening to he you can, memorizing these. He can do it too. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even with the paper. Yeah. We didn't know what's going on. <laughs> It's not like I didn't set them up or anything. No. But, but honestly, guys, reach out to us because mm. we'd love to have your input. But we love you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of our group. Thank you so much for being part of this big, small group. And we'll hope to hope to see you guys or listen to you guys. Have you guys listened to us again, I guess? Uh, the next episode of Food at the Table, a small group podcast with Rev and Kev. We love you guys. We'll talk to you all next we'll time. We'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.